But something happens when you press in, when you, when you go beyond. You step into that realm of His glory, and then suddenly He begins to move in a way that you didn't actually prepare for. I think the biggest pressure on worshipers and worship leaders and worship teams is that they're supposed to be prepared. And I go, how do you get prepared for something that you don't know you're going into? <clears throat> Maybe some of you are like, I don't know what the heck you're talking about. I don't, I'm not in the worship team. I just come to church, right? Well, let me just share some things with you, right? Sometimes there's this pressure on worship leaders and on worshipers that we almost have to like manufacture something that makes you feel like you worshiped God. And sometimes as a church, we come into a room like this and we have an expectation of like, well, the worship wasn't very good today because I didn't feel like they made me feel like I worshiped God. The worship was a little bit like Nathaniel wasn't as good as last week, you know? I've, I've been there as well. Sometimes we come into that place and we don't realize it. And let me just say this. None of it is, is like ugly motive, Right? Majority of us are so sincere. It's just all that we've known. We, we come into church, we come to services, and you kind of walk out and you're like, I'm not sure why, but I just didn't really feel it today, you know? And I think what it's doing is it's exposing in the house and in the church how we have begun to design what we do around how it makes us feel rather than how it makes God feel. And so tonight, there were two moments, probably more, but two that I recognized where we could have stopped and changed because maybe we weren't quite feeling it. But we pressed in. And I'll tell you why we pressed in. We pressed in because it's not for you. It's for Him. And I think this is one of the fundamental aspects of corporate worship. I said it this morning, I think sometimes what we're doing is we're dictating and, and saying this is what we want to happen and inviting God to participate in it. And then we think that He does. right? This is how the meeting's going to go. We welcome you, Lord, to come and participate, and then we actually think He does. And so we've come away from many meetings going like, God moved, God was incredible, and I go, no, actually, I think you got pretty hyped up and felt some goosebumps and called that His presence. A.W. Tozer says it like this, there's many churches across the world. He was writing in the 50s, by the way. And he said this, he said, there's many churches around the world, Holy Spirit could leave the building and they wouldn't even notice. I'm not saying this because we get this right. I'm saying this because this is the truth. And I go, Lord, you wow. If you move and I don't move with you, that grieves me, God. Because I know it grieves Him because He wants to be with me. And let me just say this, Holy Spirit isn't moving, like running away from you, waiting for, him to waiting for you to catch up and going like, let's see if you can keep up with me. He's not like that. He is so intimately with you. He wants to take you into deeper realms of revelation and glory and encounter, and He wants you to know Jesus more and more and more. You know, I found sometimes Holy Spirit's walking with us, and then He just stops to see if we'll keep walking without Him. That's not just in corporate worship. That's in our lives. And something's happening in the church right now. The shaking that's happening to the church, it's the most beautiful thing that could happen to us. You know, I found it during the COVID years, man, it was tough. We lead a church, and it was like leading a church during COVID. I have so much respect for church leaders because it was like, I don't even know what the heck we're doing. And people come and say, what are we doing next week? I go, I don't even know because I decided something this week, and then the regulations changed, and we couldn't do it next week. 
right? It got so hectic. You know what God taught me in COVID? Don't be connected to the method. Stay connected to the man. Because the methods are going to change, right? The methods are going to change. And I think what we do as the church sometimes is in our desperation, when we feel like we don't have control, we reach for methods. We reach for our defaults. We reach for what we're comfortable with. We reach for what we know. And the reality is we have to allow the Holy Spirit to disconnect us from those things so that we can be true carriers of His glory. Because I promise you this, God is going to do something on the earth that you didn't come up with, that you didn't think of. So the the reality is it's just silly for the church to think that we can tell God how it's going to (laughs) happen. Right? Do you know, see, this is when worship becomes real because it leaves you speechless and in awe and kind of like, should I, should I, what should, I don't even, what should I do? Yeah. <laughs> it's probably like the weirdest worship talk you've heard, right? It's like this, this guy's getting up and telling us how we should approach worship is like, but why am I saying that? I'm saying it because the reality is there's reverence and there's awe and he's holy and he's beautiful, but I need him to lead me in worship. Otherwise, I'm not going anywhere. I need Him to teach me how to worship. I need Him to teach me how to pray. I need Him to teach me how to enter in. Otherwise, I'm going nowhere. And so when we talk about hosting the presence of the Lord, we're talking about firstly making Him Lord of your life and in that moment and and in the church and in our city. And then because He's Lord, we're, we're, we're learning to be obedient. You know, my mom said something a couple weeks ago that has profoundly touched my life. She said this, Jesus is deeply devoted to your obedience. Just think about that for a second. Jesus is deeply devoted to your obedience. In other words, sometimes we have this like perspective and approach to walking with God, and I call it the strain of devotion, where we're like, God, I so want to say yes to you. I want to obey you. I want to do what you're asking me to do, and I'm trying my best, and I'm doing the best that I can do. God, help me to obey you, right? And what we don't understand is that on the other side of that conversation is a God who's saying, I've given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. Everything that you need, I've put inside of you. I'm deeply committed. I'm deeply devoted to your obedience. In fact, can I just say this? You can't even be obedient until you've received Christ because you're actually receiving His obedience. See, that changes devotion because devotion is actually something that's built on what we receive first so that we can become it. So we receive His grace that leads us into devotion. His grace actually begins to empower the church to be devoted. There is a supernatural grace, a supernatural strength, a supernatural power that comes on the church to be lovers. See, how are we meant to love God the way that He loves us? Only by the Holy Spirit. That's why He put His Spirit inside of us. See, I've realized this. Legalism wants to creep in in so many ways into the church again and again and again. And here's the thing. I'm, I'm, you know, there, there's, there's legalism, and then you get the true gospel of grace, and then you get, I call, call them grace Pharisees. Rob calls them grace Pharisees. Grace Pharisees are the ones who've made the message of grace their religion, right? 
But there's, they're the ones who hate leadership and hate structure and, and they, they hate everything biblical, basically. And grace has just given us room to do whatever the heck we want to do. And basically what we're saying is I'm God and I dictate to God and all this kind of That's just junk. And on the other side, you've got legalism. And legalism is basically this, this control and this manipulation of guilt, shame, and condemnation where you begin to put on people what Jesus took the emphasis off. You begin to emphasize the law and emphasize your shortcomings and your failures and what you can't do, what you haven't been able to do. And we put all the emphasis on that. And the thing about legalism is it really tugs at your heart. Because it's real easy. Every single one of us know how to look at ourselves and see what's wrong. Legalism, it, it really is it's a, it's attractive to the church because it's a great way to control, a great way to manipulate. And I promise you, I've been in meetings where legalism is preached and the reality is people actually, actually come away in awe. They come away going like, wow, I'm just so broken and so messed up and that message was so, wow, and I just need weeks of repentance and God just help me and I want to get to that place. And, and there's this like pressure and this ugly tension that comes on the church, and yet they're in awe of it. Because the, the thing is, legalism will settle for hype. Legalism will settle for hype. And so hype becomes how we run the church. And I've noticed now, and I check my own heart with this as a leader, it's like I can, I can feel when, when we drift into that space or when I'm in meetings where it drifts into that space. Because what happens is we become predictable. I can call it. Okay, now it's going to come down, and then they're going to pray, and then, okay, now it started to go deep, so we'll bring it in again. Okay, let's stop that, shut the worship down, let's move. Three announcements, say the announcements, okay, let's shift to the, and, and it's just so mechanical and so structured, and I'm not saying structure is wrong, it's good, it's beautiful, but you can begin to recognize how there's this control and this flow, and then there always, it always ends in hype, always. Because this is the thing, as, as leaders, when you're not walking in the anointing on the Spirit of Jesus, you, you stand there and, and you, you don't know how to end something like that. So what happens is you kind of look at the people and you go, well, I can't just say thanks for coming and ciao. So what do I do? Let's hype up. And so it ends the same way every time. I'm, I'm just being real. I'm not preaching. I'm sharing my heart, right? It ends the same way. I'm like, well, what happens if Holy Spirit isn't doing that every week? <clears throat> Right? What happens when the Holy Spirit is a gentle whisper? What happens when He's just wanting to touch us gently? Are we, are we aware and sensitive to His touch? And so here's the thing about the gospel of grace, is that there is no other way into the glory realm other than through the blood of Jesus and through His grace. And so grace enables us to come freely into that place. And here's the beautiful thing about grace. Grace is fully dependent on Him. When we as the house begin to operate in grace, we're fully dependent on Him. See, legalism will build communities around personality, charisma, and gifting. And then use the message to control. And the goal of, of these gatherings will be success, look good to the world, look good to the church, look good to others, full seats, full auditoriums, be successful. The gospel of grace is just simply built around one thing. We're a priesthood of believers who come to bless Him. In other words, we begin to ask a question, how did God feel about that? Imagine getting in the car on a Sunday, driving home after a Sunday service, and the question that you're asking to your spouse or talking about with your family or your friends is this, how do you think God felt about that this morning? Wow. 
Wasn't it beautiful how he blessed him and ministered to him? See, I'm saying this and I can feel it. It's like we almost go like, I don't know what to do with that. Right? Because we hear that and we go like, no, but I, kinda, I actually like the fact that it's about me. Right? It's kind of nice. I like, I like that I have a right to come and have my voice when I don't think it's quite what we need right now. The word that Pastor Dave brought out, I think, a, bit, a little bit too much, Pastor Dave. I think actually, you know, where the congregation is at right now, we need a little bit more milk, you know, not so much meat. I'm, just, I'm, be, I'm being funny and over-exaggerating, but the reality is sometimes this is how we think, you know. Maybe I should just go to the sound guy and just say, please, the, the, worship is, the music is very loud. Can you just turn it down a little bit? Because actually, you know, there's a lot of us who... Now, I get it. Sometimes rock star sound guys can pump it a little too loud, and that's okay. But the point is, are we coming to church with this expectation of comfort, or are we coming to the church with the expectation of a sacrifice of praise? Amen. I love David. Um, Papa Dave mentioned it today. I love David when he brings the ark back into uh, Jerusalem and, and, and he begins to dance with all his might. And I mean, I don't know about you, I, I say this everywhere I go, I don't know what it's like yet to get so lost in God and to dance so violently that your clothes start coming off. I Honestly, I've had some times in my bedroom where I've like tried and just gone like, what kind of movements start bringing your shirt off and you're like, when do the pants fly? And Right? Maybe he was in a robe, so it might have been easier. He just spun and it like just came off him. I don't know. But I'm telling you, yeah, with skinny jeans, it's not going to happen, right? It's going to rip before anything else. But here's the thing. I, I get lost in that moment when I read it and I go, Lord, David was the first person in the Bible to call you beautiful. He was the first one to describe God as beautiful. There'd been others who'd said holy and majestic and glorious and wonderful and all these things, but David described him as beautiful and said, I gazed upon the beauty of the Lord. And I think there's something about coming into that place of God, I'm about your presence, I'm about you, I want to host your presence, I want to dwell in your presence, I want to bless you, I want to glorify you, I want to behold you. I want to live for you. Everything I do must be unto your glory. I just want to see you high and lifted up. I want to see you exalted, right? When that happens, you begin to see the beauty of God. You begin to see Him rightly. And there is a freedom and a liberty that comes over your life where you just don't care what people think because I'm not living for you. I'm so lost in Him. And then what's crazy is He's dancing butt naked in front of His kingdom. I just said butt in church, sorry. He's, he's dancing naked in his, in his kingdom and His wife comes and goes like, oh my goodness. Like, all the maidens of Israel just saw your butt. <laughs> Bum, sorry. Or, you know, all, the, all the, 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 the women of Israel and the nation just seen their king humiliate himself in front of the nation. How could you do that? And David's response gets me, man. It's kind of, I'm paraphrasing, right? This is the kind of law of the translation. He says, This? I'm going to become far more undignified than this. And I'm, I don't know when, I'm, really, I'm going like, what does that look like? You're naked. And you're saying this is like, 
It's like, what I love about David is he's going, there must be zero obstacles between my expression of love and him. It's like, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I will keep dancing. I will keep worshiping. I'll keep rejoicing. I'll keep throwing my life at the feet of Jesus because he's just so worthy. And I don't know how, how wild and intense and crazy it's going to get, but it's going to look like something. You know, sometimes I go, like, all the introverts in the room go like, oh, you know. Like the extroverts are looking at me and they're stoked, you know. They're like, when do we get to do this, right? And all the introverts are like, oh, my gosh, you know, what am I? See, something happens in the presence of the Lord where you're no longer shaped by your experiences, but your identity is found in Him. See, I believe in the kingdom. There's no such thing as introvert or extrovert. There's just love, right? But I do understand that sometimes people will take that statement and use it as an excuse to be extroverted, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, that's an introvert. <laughs> She's like, yeah, you know how many times they've thrown that in my face. I know. Extroverts do that. It's like, well, there's no you know, extrovert or introvert in the kingdom, so hey, you should get up on that table and preach the gospel. Or, you, or why aren't you dancing in the front with the flags? <laughs> Uncle Boris, why, I didn't see you with the flags tonight. I don't understand. <laughs> now that's the day I'm excited about. <laughs> but here's the thing, man. It's love. It's love. Don't get connected to the methods. Get connected to the man. Maybe to you it doesn't look like standing on a table and shouting out and all these different things. Maybe it does for a moment, and then you get off and you're like, who was that person? Right? That's love. Love is instead of me trying to be an evangelist, just learning to be love. Love looks like one day sitting down and talking to that lady and having a conversation and sharing the love of Jesus, and maybe the next time it's standing up in an airplane and preaching the gospel with boldness. But the reality is, it looks like a life that's in submission and surrender and yieldedness to the Lord, that He can do anything with you. That when He wants to stretch you and challenge you and push you out of your comfort zone, you just go, okay, Lord, my life is yours. And to the extroverts, there's going to be times, or those who think they're extroverts, there's going to be times where the Lord's actually going, shh, Sit. Right? So, as a house, the invitation is to carry His presence. It's to carry His glory. It's to live in His glory and in His presence. I've been asking this question for two years. I think the last time I was here, I might have even mentioned this, but this is the question that's been on my heart, is what does it look like to build around His presence? What does it look like to build a community and a church that's built on the presence of the Lord? Because I know, I know some communities who that's the language we're building on the presence of the Lord, and they're just weird, right? There's just no, it's just like... There's no structure at all. Like no, these are the people who we don't need leaders. We, don't, we just get in a room and just see what happens, you know? It's just this like, and we look for that energy and that flow and 
man, it's weird. I've been in environments like that, and I just go, oh, no, that's just not God. And I'm going, he's not here. I don't know what you guys are feeling, <laughs> but it's just not him, right? I'm serious. I've been in environments like that. You guys are looking at me like I'm crazy. There's actually places like this out there where it's like, no, we're, we're building on His presence, or we're just a people of His presence. And the lingo, the language of intimacy, presence, sonship, all this kind of stuff, some of it's gone really weird. And I'll tell you why. Because one of the key principles about His presence is submission. And people go, this is the thing that, and I hope this is okay, Papa Dave, but people will, will come and say, well, I don't need to be submitted to leadership. I don't need to be submitted to a church. I'm submitted to Jesus. And I just go, what the heck are you talking about? You, you can tell that person hasn't read their Bible, right? That person doesn't read their Bible. They're in the book of imaginations. Because the reality is they come in and it's like, I don't need to submit. I ha- I've had people come into our church, I've asked them to leave. Because I said, if you can't submit to leadership, this is not the house for you. And they go like, uh, this is literally the conversation. I don't understand why every leader that I talk to asks me to submit to them. True leaders wouldn't need people to submit to them. That's what people say. In other words, it's like, it's your fault. You're insecure that you want people to submit. I'm like, to be honest, I don't even want you in my church. Oh, I'm hitting something now. Can you feel that? Let's talk about submission because it's, it's really key with the glory of the Lord. Let's talk about it, man. Oh, wow. Isn't it interesting that when you say submission, it's like all the little guys start manifesting, the demons start coming out. Most of you don't even know you just growled at me, you know? See, here's the thing about submission. We think that submission means control. I don't want to submit to you. That means you control me. Where do we get that from? A misrepresentation of it. A misrepresentation of the Lordship of Jesus. See, Jesus is not controlling. You can go whenever you want. See, Jesus is so beautiful, so powerful, so glorious, He doesn't need to control you. You want to be there. Do you know that submission is actually more for you than it is for the leader or for Jesus or for anyone else? It's for your heart. Do you know that you can only walk in a level of authority to the degree at which you're submitted? Man, I learned this the hard way as a young son growing up. Luckily, thank God for my dad. You know, I came through. I remember times I'd come through and say, Dad, God has called me to do a crusade in Kaya Sands. There's a township near us. It's time for me to do my crusade, Dad. I'm going to do this and this. And he would go, that's beautiful, boy. You know what the church really needs right now is for you to go do the church banking. And I'd go... The church banking. I'm like, you don't understand, Dad. I got a call. I've got a ministry inside of me. I'm about to birth something that's going to touch Johannesburg. Oh, how many ministries have started this way? I'm going to go do this crusade. My dad goes, no, no, I need you to go do the church banking. I need you to go stand in the F&B queue for two and a half hours to go and put the, the, the banking in, right, tithes and offerings. And I remember this moment. I was so offended. I was so upset in this moment. And I remember what was going through my head. This is what I heard. You have a choice, son. Choose to be a son or choose to be an orphan. But here's where you decide. And I was like, ooh. This is where sonship becomes real. I'm a son of God, and I just, I don't need leadership. I don't need the church. I don't need, I'm just submitted to Jesus. But you're a loose cannon that has no substance, no authority. You don't walk in any power. You're just literally this wishy-washy, talking, silly turd. 
And it stinks. Right? It really does. Courtney's giving me the look. I better rein it in a little bit. No more turd or any of these words. But here's the reality. In that moment, I remember this. I decide I'm going to go do the church banking, and I'm doing it with an attitude. Right? I'm upset, I'm offended, and I'm annoyed. Because I felt like, well, you didn't even hear me. Did you even hear what I said? I'm going to get people saved. Doesn't that just reek of arrogance? Doesn't that just reek of pride? So my dad said, no, he just, he very gently was like, here's the, here's the banking, off you go. And so off I went to the bank, and I get into this queue, and here's the funny thing. As I walked into this long queue, I look at the queue, and there's about six injured people, and I'm a coward in this moment. I go, I'm like, oh my goodness, there's a wheelchair person, someone on crutches, broken arm, wrist thing, like, and suddenly I'm going, and I heard the Lord say this to me, here's your crusade. (laughs) And suddenly I'm looking, and I'm going like, I'm terrified. I'm like, oh, it's a lot easier to go into the township and stand up on the stage and, you know, come to Jesus where I look like the man. Now I'm standing in the bank and I humiliate myself. Because just, let's just be real. You know, I've been to evangelist schools where they're like, you just got to cross the chicken line and get over it. I'm like, when does that happen? Because every time I go in and I'm about to step out, there's a chicken line right there. I'm like, I, I thought I crossed it last time. I just obviously didn't because it's every time I've got to step out. People say to me, I've seen, I've seen crippled people healed, get out of wheelchairs, cre- uh, creative miracles of limbs growing out, stuff like this. I've seen all of it, and every time I'm standing there, I'm absolutely terrified. Well, bro, you just got to let the fear of man die in you. I'm like, well, teach me how then. Anyway, so I'm standing there. I see this thing, and I'm like, I can't do it. And I felt the Lord minister to me, and that's when he taught me about submission. And I realized this. You see, you take my finger, and you disconnect it from the body. It's just a finger that's lying on the floor, and it might accidentally touch someone. But you connect it to the body, and when it's moving and working with the body, there is no end to the amount of people that can be touched. This is why we've got to be submitted. See, Jesus, well, David prophesies about Jesus. He says, zeal for your house consumes you, right? Can I just say this? Can I be a little bit um, like Papa Dave says? Can I be in your face? A zeal for his house consumes him. He didn't say a zeal for his kingdom. He didn't say a zeal for ministry. He didn't say a zeal for signs and wonders. He didn't say a zeal for any of those things. He said a zeal for his house. Why? Because his house is the vehicle through which all of those things will, will take place. So what, why be submitted to his house? Because Jesus is actually, he's got a zeal for his house. He's in love with his house. There's only one thing that Jesus is building on the earth. Only one thing. It's his house. It's his church. It's his bride. It's his body. And people go like, yeah, well, you know, look at the state of the church, and how could you say Jesus is building that? Well, let me just say this to you. Revelations 1, where do you find Jesus? He's standing in the midst of the lampstands. What are the lampstands? The church. Then you read the letters, and you realize there's a lot of adjustment that the church needs to do. He writes these letters, and he's saying, hey, I love these things that you're doing, but hey, here's some stuff that I I need you to deal with. I want you to deal with these things in your heart, meaning Jesus actually likes his church. He's actually in love with his church, and he'll be found at the center of his church, despite the fact that they're not perfect. Yeah. Come on. 
So this changes the thing of like, well, you know, I go to church, but I, you know, I, the church is a mess, and I just, I don't want to be a part of the church. I just want Jesus. Well, you won't find Jesus anywhere else. You'll find him in his house. Jesus will find you anywhere, but you'll find him in his house. Do you get me? Why am I, I, I'm saying this because it's like, if Jesus, if Jesus says a zeal for his house consumes him, I want that. What would it look like to be a part of Kingdom Light Church with his zeal for the house? See, he doesn't want you to do anything with your zeal. Your zeal might last for, I don't know, three weeks. Hey, if you're really strong, maybe three months, then you burn out tired and now you're offended by the church and you want to leave. I love the giggles. Because <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, you know? But true sons, true sons and daughters, they begin to catch the heart of God for the house. And suddenly they go, Lord, the zeal that you have that consumes you for the house, I want to touch that zeal. And Lord, I don't just want to touch it. I want to be filled with it. When I run, when I serve in the house, when I'm building in the house, whether it's making coffees, welcoming people at the door, stacking chairs, sweeping floors, worshiping, preaching, announcements, cleaning toilets, baptizing people, preaching the gospel on the streets, going to the nations, whatever it is that we do, serving kids ministry, prayer meetings, when I do these things, I want to do it with your zeal. Now can you imagine the church getting together with his zeal for his house? And what that meeting looks like. Ooh. That, that's, that's when cities get rocked. Are you with me? I, I, I talk about this at home with 24-7. I, I, just imagine, I try and picture myself arriving at the church, and everyone that's there is, is operating with his zeal. Can you imagine the high five and the hug you're getting at that door? <laughs> right? That's going to be Holy Ghost filled. Can you imagine what's in that cappuccino? You know why I'm saying this? Because people knock things like, yeah, you know, when you go to those churches and they high-five you at the door and they give you the cappuccino and it's all, and I'm like, I think that's awesome. Where else do you go that they just give you a high-five and a free cappuccino? <laughs> right? It's like we've, we've, we've tied the methods to the misrepresentation and we go like, yeah, you know, those mega churches that do this and this and this. I'm like, no, the problem isn't the methods. The problem is, is the man there? I don't really care what it looks like. I go to so many different churches. In the Middle East, we don't have this kind of stuff. We just sit in rooms on the floor and, and share with each other. And I, I, can I just say this? If you ask those people, I went there and I said to them, you know, sure, we need this back home. Like, we need to just, you know, stop all this stuff, chairs and pulpits and stages and stuff. We need to just sit in circles. You know what they said to me? They said, what are you talking about? I said, do you know what we would give to have what you have? It gives you a whole new appreciation for this, right? Yeah. I'm just, why am I saying this? I'm, I, I don't, I'm tired of knocking the church. I'm tired of, of people that, that have so many things to say, but the reality is, are, are you filled with his zeal for his house? See, it's real difficult to talk bad about his bride when you're in love with her. You can't be in love with Jesus and not be in love with the church. It's impossible because he's in the midst of the lampstands. You can't be in love with Jesus and not be in love with his church. If you're frustrated with his bride, you're frustrated with him. Because you don't think he's doing the job he should be doing. 
you've decided that the church should look like this and this and this and this. And so the reality is I'm actually upset with our leaders and I'm upset with the church and I'm upset that these things are happening there. And I think they're misrepresenting Jesus. Wow, when did you become Lord? Are you with me? I told you I'm really not teaching. I'm just sharing. Is that okay? I will read a scripture just to make it. Yeah. Maybe we can read out of Revelations, like the fall of Babylon or something. I'm teasing. Sorry, I'm being cheeky. Anyway, why am I saying what I'm saying tonight? I, I, my heart is just aching and burning because this is my second home, man. I, I, this is, I love being here. I love this house. This is my family. You know, today I'm, we're having lunch with Papa Dave, and uh, we're just talking about grace. And honestly... I came alive in a whole new way. I was like a little bit tired, like after the service or whatever, and suddenly we're talking about grace, and I'm like, I'm just rejuvenated. And I said to Papa Dave, I'm telling you, this time God's raising up apostolic fathers and mothers again. And, and it's important for us as sons and daughters to realize that, you know, it's not our job to, to um, or it's, it's not our desire to, to exalt and, and edify uh, men and women to a place where we, we say they're fathers and mothers and they're controlling movements and things like that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about fathers and mothers that we can submit to that will teach us and train us and equip us in the ways of the Lord and that will help us to have strong foundations to follow Jesus with longevity. With longevity. That we're not just following after Jesus with a quick little burst, but actually in 20, 30 years I'm going to be burning more than I'm burning today. And the reality is God's designed the church and the family to help us run in that way with longevity. Amen. It's why even if, if I find myself, God forbid, in a place where I disagree with Papa Dave, that does not mean I cannot have a relationship. That actually means I press into him more. I want to learn. Why do you see the way that you see? Why? Why do you feel that way? My heart is, is after connection because I want to learn. Are you with me? See, that's true sonship. True sonship is we're not afraid of disagreement. We're not afraid of, of being in a church where maybe, oh, I might feel I disagree with that a little bit. That doesn't mean you can't be there. It doesn't mean you can't be one. See, because the reality is I guarantee you Jesus disagrees with a heck of a lot that you do. And he doesn't go running off and go like, I, just, I actually just can't handle you right now. I just can't journey with you. There's just, you know, really, you do a bunch of stuff that irritates me so much, and I just think you're so wrong, and you've missed it. Did you even read my word? I don't understand what's going on. We can't walk, we can't walk together. But you see, then we come to church, and we go, ah, we're family. Well, that means something, right? And you can say, well, this sounds like I'm preaching, you know, multiple different services. No, what I'm doing is I'm just speaking to your heart, because hosting His presence means something. Hosting His presence isn't just a good worship set. Hosting His presence means my life is completely transformed, changed, and designed around Him. And that's what God's doing in Kingdom Light. You know, sometimes hosting Him can feel like slowing down. It's weird. And it's, it's, I find it interesting that when we slow down, He increases and advances at a pace that's way beyond what we can do. It's why we say things like fruitfulness flows from intimacy. What do we mean by that? It's like intimacy seems like a very unproductive thing to do, right? Like you, you spend time with God, intimacy with God, 
and you're, you're just loving him and connecting with him and talking to him. And, and you kind of, in the natural, you could look at it and go like, so what did you do this morning? I spent, you know, I spent two hours with God. And we have this perspective that that's like not effective, you know. We didn't get things done. That's good, but you should do that way earlier so that you can get things done in the day. But the reality is it's the most fruitful thing you could do with your life. And what God will do in five minutes of intimacy is more than you could do in five years. Right? So it's understanding this aspect of His presence. It's understanding that although it, it, it seems like I've slowed down, it's actually the most fruitful place I could live in. As a church, when we sometimes slow down on the pace at which we're doing things to make sure that what we do is honoring to Him, it doesn't mean that we're not productive and not as effective as we used to be. It means that we're making sure that what we're doing counts. Do you get what I'm saying? Because sometimes we can easily point fingers at the church and say, well, you know, you should be doing this, you should be doing that. Why aren't we doing this? Do you have this program? Do you guys do this? Do you reach these people? What we're really saying is, are you a place where I can come and live my Christian life through you? That one went straight over our heads. Let me say that again. Let me put it this way. Pastor Dave, what does Kingdom Light Church do for the poor? This is my response to people who ask me this question. They come and they say, Connor, what does 24-7 Church do for the poor? And I go, I don't know. What do you do for the poor? Right? Now, do I love feeding programs? And do, Yeah, of course we do that. But the reality is, the question is, we come in and it's like, what does the church do for the poor? Or what is the, why is the, does the church have a prison ministry? This and that, all these different things. And again, we're coming with selfish needs. We're coming with, this is what I want. This is what I expect. This is what I want to see because it makes me feel better. And then I can live my Christian life through you. I attend Kingdom Light Church that feeds the poor. I've never actually stopped for a beggar on the road or anybody that's in need in my life, but I attend a church that does and that makes me feel good. And then you go, what does that have to do with hosting His presence? Everything. <laughs> see, if you come to Kingdom Light Church with an expectation to see Sean and Papa Dave and Mama Albie and the leadership team perform for you, it's going to be a very unhealthy place for you. But you come to church because you're a part of this house, a living stone placed in this this spiritual family, this spiritual body. You come here to say, I actually come filled to overflow, to be a part of building something, to be a part of carrying His presence, to be a part of, part of hosting Him, ministering to Him, touching Him, blessing Him. I promise you, your gatherings are going to go to a level you do not even expect to understand. It changes the, it changes the environment. God can do anything, anything in that place. Are you with me? We were just sharing stories. Some of the, you got to I mean, most of you probably have, but Papa Dave's got some amazing testimonies and stories of healing. And I'm listening to them, and I'm just, my heart is crying out. I'm going, God, I want that. Lord, I want to see you move in power. And I remembered when we were having lunch today, I remembered the Lord said this to me. He said, Connor, if you will honor my presence with your life, I will honor your life with my power. I think God's doing something in His church today 
where He really is awakening us to the beauty of the Lord, the splendor of the Lord, but realizing that it's not just about coming and seeing Him from a distance. You know, sometimes we do that on a Sunday. We come and we sing songs about Jesus like He's over there somewhere, and it's like, I'm so grateful that He lets us get this close. It's just true, right? That this most beautiful, holy, incredible God is actually listening to what we're saying. It's incredible. I get it, the reverence and the awe, and I'm blessed by that. But on the other side of that prayer is the Father going like, do you think I gave my Son for you to come and see us from a distance? Do you think I went through everything that I went through so that you could come and kind of see me, see me from a distance and say, wow, you're wonderful? Do you think I'd pay a price for that? Or do you think I've paid a price for my bride, my body, my dwelling place, a place where we can be intimate, a place where we can be one, a place where I can lead you, teach you, shape you, create you, design you, a place where you can walk in everything that I paid for in the fullness of what I desire for you, where the dream of God becomes the heartbeat of His church again. That's a group of people that come together and love one another like the world has never seen before. They will pay a price for each other that minister to the Lord, sacrifices of praise. They exalt Him, magnify Him. Signs and wonders follow them because they're preaching the grace of God. They're preaching the gospel. They begin to step out in expressions and acts of different ministry. Whatever that looks like, the assignments that God's put on you, it's beautiful and it's all coming from this overflow of hosting His presence and ministering to the Lord. That's how Strand gets touched by the glory of God. That's how Gordon's Bay or Cape Town as a city, Western Cape as a region, South Africa as a nation, Africa as a continent and to the ends of the earth. This is how we see the great commission and the great commandment established on the earth. It's communities that know how to host Him, how to be loved by Him and how to love Him. That's what God's doing tonight. Will you stand with me? I know I've gone a little long. I'm sorry. I... I want to just read something over you and then we'll pray. You know, in Song of, Song of Songs, it says this. Firstly, verse 2, it says, May he kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. The aroma or the fragrance of your oils is fragrant and pleasing, and your name is perfume poured out. Therefore, the maidens love you. Draw me away with you and let us run together and let the king bring me into his chambers. And it says this further on, verse 7. Tell me, O you whom my soul loves, where do you pasture your flock? Where do you make it lie down at noon? For why should I be like the one who is veiled beside the flocks of your companions? This is the bridegroom's response. If you do not know where your lover is, O you fairest among women, run along and follow the tracks of the flock and pasture your young goats by the tents of the shepherds. Maybe you're here tonight and you're like, man, I, I want Jesus. 
I want his presence. I want him. I want to host him. Where does he, where does he dwell? Where does he reside? Where does he stay? Where does his presence rest? He's saying, follow the tracks of the flock. In other words, where my flock is, I'm going to be there. Where the, where the shepherds are, I'm going to be there. When you're looking for the lover of your souls, you're going to find him in a house because it's the only thing that he's building. And yes, there's imperfections. And yes, there's, we're growing and we're learning and we're being transformed. But I promise you tonight, what I pray is that there would be an impartation of the heart of God for his bride, that there would be an impartation to, to receive him, to host his presence, but also that tonight we would touch the zeal of God for his house. We'd be filled with that. Will you lift your hands? God, we love you tonight. And we bless you. And we honor you. And we thank you for what you've done today, Lord. Father, I pray if there's anything tonight and this morning that I've said that's not in your heart, Father, that it would fall on deaf ears. But God, everything that's of you, I pray that it would touch our hearts, Lord. That it would awaken the dream of God within us. That it would awaken a longing and an ache for you like we've never known before. Make us hungry. Make us thirsty for you, God. Father, tonight, if there's any of us that have a longing, Lord, I want you and I just haven't been able to find you, then, Lord, tonight, I pray that they'd find you in your house. And, God, we open up our hearts as living tabernacles and we say, Jesus, clean out everything that you need to clean out. Whip over the tables and the junk and the merchandise and the, the stuff, that the furniture that we try to bring in. Get rid of it, God. We just want you. And tonight we enthrone you in our hearts. We enthrone you in our lives. We enthrone you in Kingdom Light Church. We enthrone you in Cape Town, in Western Cape, and in South Africa. And we say, Lord, let your kingdom come and let your will be done. On earth, as it is in heaven, start with us tonight, Lord. Father, I pray that the tangible presence of the Lord would come upon every single person here tonight. I just release the love of God, the love of God that leads us to repentance, the love of God that leads us into transformation, the kindness of God, the kindness of the Father that touches us and transforms us. Father, I just want to bless my Kingdom Light family and say thank you for what you're doing in this house, God. Thank you for what you're doing in this house. Thank you for Dave and Albie and Sean and the leadership team. I bless this house in the name of Jesus. And I pray for a greater measure, a greater outpouring of your glory and your anointing upon this house like they've never known before. And I pray that even tonight, the seeds of revival would be stirred and planted and, 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 and in, in healthy soil tonight, Lord, that they would be made ready for all that's to come ahead. And Father, I'm expectant and I'm excited about how you're going to use Kingdom Light Church. Father, I'm, I'm excited about the encounters that are going to happen in this room. I'm excited about the manifestation of your glory, healing, signs, wonders, the fragrance of Jesus, the beauty of Jesus, the splendor of Jesus, the worthiness of Jesus. That will not just be seen from a distance, but will be touched and experienced and received in this room. Father, I pray for the worship teams in this house. Lord, if there is anything 
that you've done in us that we could impart and release. I pray that tonight there would be a divine impartation into the worshipers of this house, God, into the musicians of this house, into every intercessor, every lover of God. And Father, even for myself and my family and for 24-7 Church, we receive the blessing that is Kingdom Light Church. We receive all that you're doing in this house. And we say thank you, God, for leaders and shepherds like those of this house that have paid a price. I honor them. I celebrate this house. And I say thank you for what you're doing in Kingdom Light. And even as we go home tonight, Lord, I release visions and dreams and encounters with you as we drive home and as we rest and as we have meals together and as we go to work. Lord, I I just pray, get us, God. (laughs) Just get us, Lord. Make us aware of your presence, we pray. I'm so thankful, Lord. I'm so thankful for this time. I'm so thankful that there's a group of people that would want to be here tonight to worship you, to hear your name, to hear your word, to hear even some of my cheekiness, that they would want to sit here, Lord, and just receive. God, I just honor them. I honor every person in this room, and I bless them tonight. We love you, Jesus. We honor you, and we just say thank you. Amen. Amen. Oh.